when we read so many of these Psalms, there's so much that reminds us of our own culture today. And we can recognize that the sin problem that we have is not new. In fact, David speaks about it in the Psalms over and over again. I think the encouragement here is that as this Psalm reveals God's character and nature in the midst of the chaos of, of a sinful culture, God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. So the same God that offered refuge and restoration to David is the same God that does the same for us. I pray that this episode encourages you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our series of devotional readings of the Psalms, and today we are in Psalm chapter 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand and any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn, those who devour my people, as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Well, I think this psalm is pretty self-explainable. There are a couple points I want to point out that might give us some insight as to what else is going on in this psalm. I think it's important to point out that in verse 2, it's talking about the one who looks down from heaven. Let me read it. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. When it's talking about looking down from heaven, we're we're realizing that this is God looking down 
from heaven and from his vantage point his perception is perfect and so when when there's this idea of him looking down he can see both physically and spiritually emotionally into the hearts of men and the reality is is he he's seeing a corrupt nation or a corrupt corrupt culture in verse 3 it says all have turned aside they have together become corrupt there's no one who does good not even one this idea of all who have turned aside it's this basic universal observation that was not escaped by the hearts of the people in Mesopotamia um, there's even an old Babylonian prayer at the time that was a like a prayer for forgiveness for the nation and it was you know, had verbiage of like, who is there that is guilty of no sin against his God? Um, and it talked about all human beings harboring sin. And I think it's important, important to point that out because when we're talking about the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, it, that is a very small nation within a really large geographical location. And so Yes, this is the text that we're reading that came out of of Jerusalem, God's text with with God's people. But I think the Babylonian text speaking to that very thing speaks a lot about what was going on in the culture at the time with other people groups talking about um, just the sin and and um, the corruption of humanity at the time. One thing else I wanted to mention was down in verse 7. It says, Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. That word Zion, I think a lot of people don't understand what it's what's referring to. And sometimes it can refer to the church. But in this instance, and in a lot of the Psalms, Zion refers to the name of the mountain that God's temple was going to be built on in Jerusalem. So it really represents the center of God's rule. So when it's saying that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion, it's really talking about how God is a center of the temple, which is the center of the faith that was in Jerusalem. The name of Je the name of Jesus would eventually be proclaimed there, but God is setting the people group up for his rescue plan. And so when it talks about um you know, all have turned aside. There's not even one who does good. That's really common language that we also hear in the New Testament. And the solution for that problem is Jesus, because Jesus was the only one that did not have sin. There's another aspect that, that's kind of an undercurrent that is starts here in verses one through seven that we will see throughout the Psalms. And actually we see it a lot in Proverbs as well. And so we'll see this concept of, of what the Bible calls the fool in, especially in wisdom literature, wisdom literature, meaning uh, the, the books of the Bible that are pointing us to how to live with godly wisdom, Psalms being one of them. And so this idea of the fool is really the person who lives their life as if there's no God. And so um, while our concept of a fool might be somebody that acts foolishly, of course, a foolish act is not to believe that there's no, you know, believing there's no God is a foolish act, but really it's talking about the unbeliever, somebody with an unrepentant heart. And so the fool in scripture really reveals the rebellion against God in two ways. The first is they just completely reject God's revelation in the sense that they don't believe what the Bible says about God. In fact, 
they would openly ridicule scripture and completely disrespect Christians. Um, there would be a rejection of really the moral principles that are laid out as the foundation in God's word. And they're going to rely on their own ideas and their own um, concept of, of morality, what's right versus wrong. There's really no basis or no respect for what is revealed in scripture. And then the second kind of fool is somebody that doesn't pursue any kind of relationship with God or acknowledge him or even pray for his help when when they're having a time of trouble. And so this psalm is describing this this place of really what you could call like a moral corruption of the wicked at the time. Um, and so it teaches that really the human race is by the very nature of their humanity separated from God and in opposition to God. And so uh, later in Ephesians, Paul will quote the first three verses of this Psalm. And he does that to support the truth that, that I was referring to, like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans three twenty three. Many of us know that for some, from Sunday school, but what we're seeing is all the way back in the old Testament, way, way, way before Paul even said those words, um, this idea of this corruption of the human heart in opposition to God. I think today all it takes is reading the news or listening to the news or watching it on TV or seeing it on your phone or something to realize that we live in a very similar culture today. You know, this is not a problem that is unique to scripture. It's not a problem that's unique to us. It's kind of this thread that has been woven throughout human history where like I said at the beginning, even the Babylonian texts that are totally outside of scripture refer to the sin of humanity because the reality is, is man left on his own defers to sin. That is, that is the default position of our hearts is sin. And so the only way to deal with that sin, to deal with that corruption is to uh, surrender that heart to Jesus and allow God to to work through that surrendered heart. And that in and of itself is a supernatural thing. I, th I think a lot of times we have this idea that, that uh, we have to conquer sin on our own. And I think this is evidence that that's not possible. It's not possible to just have willpower. It's not possible to just make a decision that you're not going to sin anymore. The reality is, is we live in a world where without the help of Jesus, this is this is our default position. This is where we end up. And so the encouragement and the exciting thing about that is that in those moments that we feel like we're failing or that we can't do it on our own, we have a God that steps in and says, you're right, you can't. But through my spirit, through my son, Jesus, you can. And then, and the scripture talks about the Holy Spirit being our advocate. And the word that it uses is parakletos. And that's, it's almost like a, like a legal connotation, like a, an advocate that... In other countries, like when we work in Africa, they don't call them lawyers, they call them advocates. The The legal advocate is a lawyer who steps in to speak on your behalf in front of the judge. And the reality is, is we all have an accuser. And look at this psalm. This is evidence that for a long, long time, humanity has been found guilty and deserving of the punishment of sin. But yet we have a God, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, who has stepped in through Jesus to take away that sin so that we could stand uprightly before God and be in a good relationship with God. And that salvation, that um, that refuge from, from that lifestyle of sin comes out of Israel, comes out of God's plan. And, and it says the Lord restores the fortunes of this people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. 
Now remember, when it's talking about fortunes, it's talking about this concept that Israel had. It was uh, the Jubilee concept, so that every seven years, land that had been taken would be restored to the to the rightful owner. So, so what we're seeing here is a restoration process, not just financially, but um, spiritually, emotionally. That idea of restoration comes from from Zion, from God's dwelling place through Jesus. And again, we're seeing this picture of refuge. Well, refuge is something that we can run to for protection. Remember, we talked about the shield metaphor and how we can rest in the protection of of God and his mercy while we're waiting for that restoration process to happen. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to read it again with this insight. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as many bread and who do not call on the Lord, they there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Verse 5, I want to highlight for a second. It says, it's referring to the fool. They are overwhelmed with dread. For God is present in the company of the righteous. I think it's important that we don't forget that. If we are in a season, we are in the midst of feeling like everybody's turned against us, that everything is corrupt around us, that uh, maybe at our jobs or uh, just in the culture in where we live um, or the government or um, even family systems sometimes, the corruption that's there, we can rest knowing that God is present in the company of the righteous. And that's what becomes our refuge. It's not that things might change right now in our circumstances, but that's when it talks about, we talked about this, the ways um, in the spiritual discipline series, we talked about the ways to have peace in the midst of, of some hard circumstances. This is one of those that despite what's going around the chaos of the world, because of Jesus, because of him as the rescuer, rescuer, as because of the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, we can find refuge and peace in the midst of that chaos. Let that be our prayer today. Lord God, we thank you that um, despite the maybe disheartening idea or concept that this sin problem has been here for a very long time. God, we take so much encouragement knowing that your word says that you are present in the company of the righteous and that you are our refuge and that you are the one that restores all things. So Lord God, I pray for my friends that are perhaps going through that kind of season right now. Lord God, help them to be encouraged that that you will never leave us. There's nothing that we can do to keep ourselves away from you or to keep you away from us. God, help us to recognize that um, you are a God that longs to meet us where we're at, that pursues us. Even your word says, even when we're still sinners, you still pursued us. That's when you died for us. 
God, help us to recognize that pursuit in our lives and to surrender and find that place of refuge. God, we thank you that you are the one that restores all things. So we pray for that restoration. We pray for that restoration in our families. We pray for that restoration in our churches. We pray for restoration in our jobs, in our government, in our culture, Lord God. We thank you that you are the restorer. Help us to hold on to that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, before you go, I just wanted to fill you in on something. I've gotten a lot of questions recently about what's next. People have gone through the She Hears Bible study and they kind of want to have some direction as far as what to do next. Don't worry, I will be writing more studies. But in the meantime, the goal of the She Hears Bible study was to not only help you to learn how to hear Jesus through the example of the six women, in the study, but really for you to have a, a set of tools to use that you can apply to other passages of scripture. So what I have available for you on the resources page of my website is a couple different tools to help you do just that. And depending on your budget, there's lots of options. The first option is just a very simple uh, ESV version book of John Bible journal. And so what that is, is on one side, you have the scripture from the the whole book of John. So on one side, you have the actual scripture verse by verse. And on the other side, you have places to take notes. And so that's a really easy place to continue doing the color method of study. And if you don't have the colors that we have designated in the study, those are available. I think they're just a couple bucks in the, in the resources page as well. But you can continue to use that color method throughout, you know, one chapter or a, a couple verses. It's a really easy way to do that. And they're small. You can kind of tuck it into your bag. The second resource is similar, except it's all four gospels like that. And so that, that one is done by Hosanna Revival and they're just beautiful. Um, I love them, just the aesthetic of them. They make me feel really special when I'm working in them. And so that's all four of the Gospels. And that's a little bit more expensive because you're getting the whole set. And then the third option, and there's two different price points depending on what you're looking for, is we have journaling Bibles. And so there's the hardcover that are beautifully painted, and then also the leather bound. And what I love about those is when you open them up inside, you will see space in the margins to continue to write. Some people just have a thing about writing in their Bibles. Not me. My Bibles are all marked up. But if you have a thing about writing in your Bibles, this could be a dedicated journaling Bible where you can do the color method and not worry about getting, you know, your study Bible all messed up. And so I pray that those resources bless you. I started putting those in the shop after people started requesting them. And then I realized that I never really told you guys about them unless you private message me. So in case you're looking for what's next, what's more, this is a really good transition after you finish the She Hears Bible study. I pray that it blesses you. Have a good week, friends. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.